Hello and welcome to episode 173 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good man, pretty good. Good, good. We are back again, back with one of our last regular shows of 2019 in fact. It's been a year. I know it has been a hell of a year. So yeah, kind of capping off the year, of course, will be our annual best of special, um, which is only a couple of weeks away now. Um, It's going to be very exciting. But yeah, we do have this week where we're going to be talking about Bliss. Um, Yet another Pride Fest movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's the festival that just keeps on giving. Um, And uh, yeah, only, I think, two more regular shows after this. um, And then our best of special. Um, I mean, that's still pretty prolific. Why? Two more shows? Come on, bro. Exactly. Just one. Yeah. Um, But yeah, as we said a few weeks ago, and I want to throw out the plug now and continue this going forward, that at any point from this point on, um, we want to hear from you guys, the listeners, what your favorite movies, what your favorite horror movies were of the year. Um, So, of course, uh, you can always hit us up on Twitter at shbpod, or if you want to send us an email, it's superhorrorbrospodcast at gmail.com. And you can literally send us top three, top five, if you're crazy and watched a lot of movies top 10 or even just your favorite you know movie mm-hmm. of the year or, or whatever you want guys yeah if you don't have a number one like hair of the free that i enjoyed the most you don't have to number them just let us if know like, what if are you've your seen favorites. like over 100 then fair enough sean give us 20 like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whereas yeah i think we're we're pretty happy to do just the top 10 this year um yeah i we've we've stuck with the 10 we we did 10 when we only did kind of 20 odd movies in, yeah. one, in the first year and i think 10 feels right for the podcast but yeah, for sure. Listeners, so, but yeah, give us what you want. Yeah, definitely. So send them in because I'd love to go through as many as possible, especially definitely. so many of our long-term listeners that we've had so many interactions with over the years on Twitter and through any sort of social stuff. I'd love to hear what you guys' favorite. Yeah, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely excited. Like, because I pretty much know what your list is going to be, and <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm genuinely excited about some other listeners, like where yeah. you know where their movies lie and where where the ones that I love lie on their list yeah it'll be it'll be awesome to see um so yeah a nice shout out for that one um mm. there isn't really any news this week um Whoa. something dropped earlier today and we'll we'll briefly mention it here but i feel like we do have a question related let's to just, it so we can... yeah let's just save it for later because if we start to unpack <laughs> it i'm gone bro right. i'm gone fair I'm enough all right it's now. a teaser like, it is yeah it is horror related but it is video game horror related so um yeah we do have a nice question about it later on so we'll talk about that at the end um but yeah, that's it. There's literally no news. Um, <laughs> it's, it's December. So shall we talk about this week's film? I mean, I guess there's no other choice. No. Uh, let's talk about Bliss. So yeah, like we said, obviously at the start of the show, um, yet another Fright Fest movie. Um, mm. If you keep in count of how many we've covered just from this year's festival alone, you don't know, do you, what the number is? No, no. Have, have a guess. Obviously, we we uh, include the ten that we saw. Yeah, I was going to say. So I'm, I'm going to say like eighteen. Close seventeen. Oh, yeah. It's because so of next week, bro. <laughs> yeah potentially um <laughs> which is crazy to think about it like we've seen 17 movies that mm. were just at this year's festival alone yes yeah, madness um yeah and it's like yeah and, fright yeah, fest is like responsible for quarter of our year that we've yeah, it's mad and obviously there are still so many movies that we <clears> saw <throat> at the festival that just haven't remotely got a release um mm. 
you know, Red Letter Day. And I think I Come to Daddy, I think, does have a release date at some yeah. point. But obviously, um, like Serial Killer's Guide to Life doesn't have a release just yet. Yeah, exactly. And some of like, the smaller ones as well, the, uh, was it, Bullets of Justice? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, some movies will never get seen. Like, and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's absolutely, like, not in my bottom five of what I've seen at Fright Fest this year. I'll say that much. Um, Whew. Oh, boy. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this movie um, was interesting as well because it was at the day that we went on fright fest um mm. it was the friday it was on a main screen movie on a friday as well yeah. um which is which means so many people saw it obviously at the festival yeah. um and do you remember the movie that we saw instead of this film we saw freaks right we did see freaks um hell yeah we saw freaks ended up being our number one movie of the festival in fact yes it did <laughs> um which yeah what, what, tough, what a... tough boots to fill bliss tough yeah. boots to fill and because obviously you want to talk about a movie Whew, freaks. yeah obviously it, we we know why it was only on one small screen because it did have its proper premiere at the fright fest in glasgow mm. earlier mm. in the year um but it was still weird to see such an incredible movie get such small love at that festival like their main festival in london um obviously they don't want to double dip which is fair enough um but yeah obviously bliss was on a main screen so mm-hmm. way more people will have seen this one already um mm-hmm. and has since got a fairly big on demand release i've seen a few people tweeting about it actually um, yeah i mean it was the buzz kind of like post fright fest that, that got me putting my eyes on this movie you know a lot of people spoke about it coming out of the festival um mm. And kind of, you know, coming up to release, a lot of people were excited about it. It seems like, because I don't think there's been like a movie that probably took the entire conversation of Fright Fest. You know, like last year, One Cut of the Dead was what everyone was talking yeah. about. That We didn't have that movie this year from the vibe I got. No, like there were a few. And I think this was definitely in the mix. You know, Rabbit was in the mix because of obviously the the hype behind Soska twist sisters and, and kind of Cronenberg and everything. And, and, you know, there, there, but there wasn't kind of really any movie that stood out, you know, um, you know, our, our favorite movie that you spoke about freaks didn't seem like anyone was talking about. I mean, and that's probably because we're in a cinema of 40 people, mm. you know, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, but yeah, this one definitely seemed to be up there with the buzz. Yeah, it was definitely going into the festival. The main talk was Rabbit by far. Mm, and yeah. I think even coming out of it, it probably still was only yeah. for the fact that obviously a lot of people got to see it on the Monday and obviously with the sisters being there, the whole festival. Yeah. Um, but it was very much like, yeah, I agree with you. There wasn't that one cut of the dead, which is very much a movie that was on no one's radar going in and then just got like all of this buzz because of what happened. Uh, yeah, there wasn't anything on that level from this year. No. Like, there was like you say, there was a few where people were like, oh, you got to check this out. But it was it was a lot of smaller different releases for sure yeah um but yeah bliss was one of the ones in fact mm-hmm. yeah i agree with you it was on i i remember seeing it on quite a few best of lists yeah. and it was one of those ones where i was like oh you know we read the initial synopsis and it wasn't for us but it was yeah. very much like oh if enough people are digging this then we should check it out um the other yeah. notable thing going in as well is the the director um mm-hmm. he's got another movie coming out um i don't know if it's coming out i think it's coming out like early 2020 at this point um but it's the next sort of fangoria produced horror film mm. um obviously we've had uh puppet master and uh satanic panic and then his next the next one is vfw um which is his you know the same director of this bliss joe bagos and mm. he's actually on the cover of the new issue of fangoria as well really 
yeah um yeah which is really really insane um so yeah like a lot of i think and that's coming off of the fact that bliss now he's got this much bigger project backed by fangoria so i think it all kind of ties in together as well Mm. Um, yeah so what's this movie about i guess we'll talk about the movie yeah man yeah um it's hard there's gonna be a hard conversation i think because <laughs> there um, are certain things that are, could be deemed spoilers but then also like yeah. it was in the description i was gonna Fright say Fest. let's put it this way if it was in the fright fest write-up description i feel mm. like it's on the table yeah um but you know we'll, we'll throw up a mild spoiler I, it doesn't I, happen I, until like 30 minutes into this very short movie yeah, as well correct, correct. um but yeah, we we kind of um, start this movie. We get introduced to our lead, uh, Desi, who um, is this artist that's kind of trying to create her masterpiece and is struggling. To, she has completion anxiety, and um, she doesn't have inspiration to finish it off. Um, so, she, as as what you know, most people would do, she turns to hardcore drugs to try to um, give her inspiration, mm. and she just kind of spirals really into this kind of drug party induced kind of craziness that every time she wakes up she's kind of done a bit more of her painting and things start to get weirder and weirder and the friends she's with kind of introduce her to kind of a darker world and and more hardcore drugs and kind of things spiral out of there um and you know we we start to get the horror a bit later on and the more more violence but you know it's really desi's journey and trying to complete her masterpiece was what this movie is about and the lens she will go to to complete it i think like Mm -hmm. she kind of um she has a boyfriend in this movie um clive who um randomly was in statistic intentions wasn't he that we yeah. saw at fright fest as well i was like i know this guy <laughs> like, yeah so was watching this film <laughs> yeah and the exact kinda, same thought yeah and she kind of says to him um you know like you don't understand the lens i'll go to like i'll kill myself to complete this my masterpiece and that's kind of like the journey that we go on basically with desi mm. um and yeah i mean i guess that's a synopsis i think um you know, from that synopsis and from the poster of the movie, I think like you sh- and, and the movie has a very explicit warning at the start yeah. about kind of um, being affected by it because this movie is shot like an absolute drug trip. Like yeah. it made me feel quite nauseous actually yeah. watching it, and I think um, watching this on a big screen at a fright fest audience, like especially <laughs> if I had, if, especially if I had a few beers. And you've like watched like have, five other films. Yeah, do you know what day. I mean? Like if this was the the Bullets of Justice slot, and I've yeah. and, I, and I decide I'm going to bring three beers in to get me through it, like mm-hmm. I, that would have been a, that would have been a weird experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, because yeah, I I actually kind of decided to to this movie's quite short, but yeah. I watched it in two sittings because of the fact that it just kind of was like hurting my head because it's so trippy. Everything is such a bright contrast. Um, things are, and it's not um it's shot extremely well because it's effective you know we spoke about mm. it in midsummer that obviously that is part of the effect they have there this is amped up to 11 and uh, it, it is the director's intent to do that but it but it did affect me kind of you know wanting to watch it because it was giving me a headache and making me feel kind of 
you know, in and out of focus. And like I say, it's a lot of, I was like, why is everyone's apartment under a bright light? Like one of those bright fluorescent lights that just shines in their entire apartment. Mm. I was like, can we not be like just in a regular lit room, please? It's um, also, it's shot and edited like a music video where it's yeah. so sporadic. There are so many flashing lights. There are so many quick jump cuts that are just like literally, you know, ten, tenths of a second shots on your yeah. screen, like just constantly yeah, they're, they're changing very, angles. They're, they're kind of reminiscent of the um, like Rob Zombie at House of a Thousand Corpses mm. when he cuts to like the Doctor Satan stuff and it all goes like crazy and you have like baby dancing and Otis like wearing a face and then like cut back to the real stuff that's going on. Mm. Like it was like those little bits but for an hour and 20 and i was yeah. like oh okay that's why most people don't do that for an hour and 20 because it does actually give you a headache yeah <laughs> but um but yeah i mean what did you think of this uh journey yeah it was an interesting one like it um when it starts and she's kind of this painter who's um mm. trying to finish this work of art and then you already know you're watching a horror movie um immediately getting driller killer vibes from this entire movie yeah um it felt like such an intention where almost this was like at times a quasi remake of that movie. Um, mm, it yeah. doesn't go in the exact same angle, but the fact that it is this gifted painter who's going through struggles mixed with this backdrop of like a heavy metal soundtrack, which is exactly what Driller Killer is all about. Um, and do, and then kind of like weaving in, going into it a little bit, weaving in the murder mixed with kind of this. Yeah. Um, and the parties this, and yeah. the group of friends and, like instantly yeah. within the first two minutes i was like i wonder if this will just be a little reference to driller killer but no like that's that that felt like a huge reference throughout mm. um which it wasn't a movie that i loved i i respected parts of it um but driller killer isn't a movie that i'm like massively fond of anyway so no. it's not like i went into this going like, oh i can't wait to see you know a new take on that mm. um so that was interesting and then kind of once we Within five, within at least the first five to ten minutes, we we get introduced to her and her drug taking very early on, and yeah. um, that scene again really reminded me of like Pulp Fiction, um, where John Travolta goes and buys the drugs, and you have this kind of the spiel from the dealer who's who's telling you all these different names and the, and the buzz that you get off it. Like that was again felt mm. very much like that scene in Pulp Fiction, and I do think it's interesting when you see movies like this now in in the year that we're in where these directors are obviously getting younger and younger and the stuff that they're inspired by is getting newer and newer. And so, yeah. you know, when we were obviously growing up and you see like the movies that, I don't know, Spielberg was inspired by, maybe that they aren't the movies that we are aware of. Whereas, yeah, this director um, is clearly inspired by stuff that we obviously grew up watching as well. Um, and I do think that's just interesting as a sidebar to, to see that like, yeah, we're going to start seeing the next wave of people. I wonder that are... when will people that are like inspired by, I know what you did last summer and, yeah legend. well it will happen won't it like we'll, like we'll get to the point where we'll see the people that have been inspired by the people that are making movies now you know it's yeah. and it's awesome to see because like, you see that josh harnett in a movie to to have a throwback <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, we've we've discussed that with like jordan stuff and how he kind of like references freddie and all this stuff and yeah, i think yeah. that yeah this is another guy who is who is clearly referencing stuff that he grew up on and enjoyed yeah um, well we're clearly like you say we've had the 70s and the people that grew up on the 70s we've had the yeah. people that grew up on the 80s and we are now getting the 90s children that are making yeah. stuff like i have no idea how old joe is like <laughs> he could be no. 50 for all I know. <laughs> but you you I, I you know i can see where you're coming from with that um how old is the yeah guy? So I did uh, think that was interesting. No, no um, but no, it's like IMDb is no, not very exactly, good for ages. Um, I'm willing to search. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. You guys can look yeah. up in your own time. Um, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's a yeah, young dude different. anyway. Um, he's 23. But uh, but outside of that, to get back into the movie, um, once yeah, once we then get into the, the kind of the drug taking aspect of it, um, it it slows down dramatically, and the next kind of from ten minutes, once we're introduced to the characters and she's a painter, I'm like, okay, this is just usual setup of a horror movie. Like this is yeah. fine. I'm getting to know the characters and their struggles. Okay, she likes her drugs, and then once we get into the then the middle aspect before we get into the reveals, which really really do happen at around the thirty minute mark. Um, the next 20 minutes was really dull and that was when I really switched off for the first time um, because that's when the movie does become what we've discussed, which is pretty much just like mm. a lot of long montages. I mean, um, like 20 minutes, and... that's quarter of the movie, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, that's what I mean, like, to say that, like, because we're, like we're kind of skirting hour, around. half an hour in and you're bored of 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah exactly no i'm not saying oh, that yeah, it's yeah, good no, no. and um and al- and also the fact that yeah like we're skirting around something because it happens 30 minutes yeah. into a movie that when credits hit it was an hour and 15 yeah my movie. my synopsis doesn't describe a horror movie like massively no you know um so we will get into those reveals because mm-hmm. they are they do make it slightly interesting but i do think that what i will say ultimately obviously as i'm going into my feelings on this movie now it did kind of lose me by the time mm-hmm. they got to those bits i think that should have been something that happened the initial night she has the drug trip and i wanted that to then go into yeah the reveals that happened 30 minutes in whereas we get 20 minutes of like then she's hung over then she still can't finish her work so then she goes on another drug binge and then we get another long montage of just flashing lights weird dancing has a sex scene has some blood like it just doesn't it really felt like i was just watching long music videos at times yeah um and again it's like it's well shot and well made but it's not interesting to but me because it was I am so trippy story. did you did, did it give you like a headache did it did it hurt your eyes or was it, it towards me that the end kinda, like it didn't, you know it didn't initially um yeah. it because I, I watched this in one sitting and it wasn't until kind of yeah. like i hit like an hour mark and then like the last 10 or 15 minutes i was struggling because it got really trippy towards the end obviously because yeah. as they're trying to amp up that tension i and... mean i had a couple of beers when i first threw this on and i think that <laughs> yeah. probably didn't help <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> just sitting there sitting down on my own like ready to like watch this very <laughs> serious story unfold and you're only <laughs> just watching like an hour and 20 minutes of music videos <laughs> Yeah, you see, I mean, I feel like I came here with the right angle. Like, I'd had a couple of beers. I'd, had, I'd like, just poured one out as I was in about to start watching this movie. And then it suddenly, yeah. like, hit me in the face. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that is that genuinely is, and especially with something like Fright Fest, because, go, yeah. again, going into it now, this movie has almost no story whatsoever. Mm. It is the initial setup, which you've said. Yeah. And that's it. For and, an then, and, then a, and then a reveal that's yeah. somewhat interesting, but doesn't go fully explored, really. No. And then, like, an ending. So, it very yeah. much is um are you interested in the style and the look of this movie and then if you are then you're only gonna have to watch it for like an hour and 15 and you might have mm. a good time um, and do you like heavy metal like you know it's got I a do, cool soundtrack but yeah. i don't know if i need it that much um again the music was fine yeah, in the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah it was all right it was just like again i i do come from it from like i'm a story guy like, that's what i yeah. love in all my horror movies and they are w- when we discuss our favorite horror movies of the year you know you'll see a a trend there where the ones that have great stories and great yeah. characters are what i'll always be drawn to more than anything um yeah you know, i, I love, think we both sit that way the, you know the way it's shot and cinematography and all that stuff but i think that ultimately i just want a really interesting story and mm. listen they're not going for that and that's fine not every movie has to do that but i think that obviously this to me is the exact example of style over substance and yeah. 
I don't even I don't even mean that as a dig either because I don't I, I genuinely think that's what they're going for. Like they're showing you like here's my Ooh. artistic merit. Like look what I can these crazy images that I can, I can create on screen. Yeah, um, and that's what you see in a lot of independent. And they smashed horror. it because this was yeah. an hour and twenty minutes of like an absolute drug trip like experience that kind yeah. of just like you know it, like I say it's uh, he he did exactly what Ariasta was able to do with Midsummer in that respect, but he just yeah. never scaled it back. He just kept amping it up, which was his choice, but he yeah. delivered on that. And if that's something that you want to watch, then this movie is for you. The other thing as well is it did like, this is a positive. It did feel genuine, which I think what a movie that just came to me, another fright fest movie was, um, Oh God, was it called the Ranger? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't um, like that the movie. Punk, the punk didn't. Yeah. Feel like, yeah. yeah. That to me felt like someone who just randomly got a script one day about punk rockers and then they mm. made a movie about it. Whereas I feel yeah. like the actresses, the actors yeah. and the director actually does live this life. And so it yeah. did, it did come across as genuine on screen to me. Um, that being said, before I now go into your thoughts, it, it wasn't that enjoyable for me. I'm thankful that it was short. And again, that's not like a, a joke. Like I do, I genuinely mean that, that I think that being an hour and 15 does put this more towards watchable than unwatchable. Yeah. Um, and it's something that independent horror, as we've discussed time and time again, that's what they need to do because when you only have a yeah. limited budget, you've got to use your time more wisely um and if this would have been like two hours my god my my god God. you you couldn't sit through this for two hours whereas an hour and 15 is like is is watchable and i think that yeah yeah, there's no story there there's nothing for me to latch on to unfortunately and really have a a meaty discussion about ultimately i just got some really trippy visuals that were well done and and then that was it really (laughs) Uh, what did you make of the film yeah i didn't I didn't really like this film um, in overall. Like, I think it, I think I'm similar lines to you. I think you know what it did. It did very well. It's not my taste, um, and you know I want that. I want that story, and I want more going on. Um, but one of my biggest gripes with the movie early on was actually um, Desi, in that she's just not a likable lead. Um, and th- th- it's an intentional thing as well, but uh, like we're, we're ultimately, she is the driving force of this movie. She is in practically every frame of the movie. Um, you know, to the point that it was almost like, I'm like, man, this director's obsessed with this actress. Like she isn't every goddamn scene. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that's part of the intent as well, because this is very much her journey in all seriousness. But, um she's just such an unlikable character she kind of the movie starts off and she's just very arrogant and just horrible to everyone she kind of treats her boyfriend like shit she then goes to like a meeting with her agent and is just so cocky and just kind of you know everything else then goes on this like drug trip ends up like you know, I mean, this, this is not, you know, she, 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 we basically, she goes to this party, meets some people and ends up having like a threesome, even though she's got this boyfriend. And so like, she does all this and, you know, she's just like this absolute scumbag really. And then we have to spend the rest of the movie with her and there's no redemption for her character. There's no realization of that. She just continues to be a scumbag that gets messed up in drugs and then more deeper things. And it's just kind of like, um, you know, the, the driller killer comparison is quite interesting because, like, that character wasn't a nice character. Um, mm. But it, it just didn't feel like he was that much of a scumbag and, and ticking all of these scumbag boxes. So it just made it more watchable to, to be able to watch, like, him for the whole movie. And um, whereas this one, it just kind of with, like I say, it was just kind of 
the, the instant dismissal of everyone. And like, I kind of, you know, I understand what they're going for because she is transfixed on this masterpiece and everything else and at all costs and all of that. But it just kind of means that when you're with this person for so long and you don't really like who they are, it makes it a difficult watch. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that aside, I think, um, yeah, the, the visuals are fantastic for what it's trying to achieve, but that's not really a horror movie. You know, he's, he's creating an absolute trip of a movie and, and it succeeds in that. But again, that's not something that I really ever want to see or need to see. I think like if it's done like how Ariasta does it or, you know, anyone else where it's like a shorter span of a movie to serve a plot point, fantastic, but not for the entire movie. It just becomes too much. Um, so then kind of when the movie finished, I was like, right, okay, the horror, like, what did I get there? And there wasn't like significant stuff. There's kind of like, you know, this one big scene that happens kind of in her art studio, which was pretty kind of cool, but it also mm. got very trippy, even more trippy where I was like, okay, so has this happened? Did this not happen? And kind of like, um, when when the movie kind of finished, and I guess like we'll go into spoilers at some point when we talk about this, but it really it did pose the question in my mind, like how much of what she thinks has happened has actually happened mm. or or has she just been on this crazy like bender with these hallucinatory drugs and has she kind of done these things thinking she's something that she's not? Yeah. Um which which definitely um, you know, did leave me thinking it kind of like, you know, as the credits rolled, had that thought. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Like, I wonder, like, you could spin it one way or another. Like, if they were to do another scene, they could easily say it was just the drugs or easily say it was the other. And I, I, I kind of respected that. Um, and so, yeah, I think, yeah, because I, I probably, I did start off and say I dislike this movie. I think that's probably a bit strong. I just didn't, I didn't love this movie. This movie was just okay. And, you know, I, I think like it goes in the, you know, it goes in the lower end of okay instead of the upper end of okay for me. Yeah. You know, but I agree. It's, 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 it's certainly not terrible, but it's not great. No, there, there was most, much about it was like watchable to fine and it mm. never got great, but it never yeah. got terrible. Yeah. Um, I do think uh, to piggyback off a couple of points you made, um, the, I agree with you that she's really unlikable as a character. Um, and obviously like she does treat her boyfriend really poorly at the start. Um, what would have been interesting was if he also wasn't a piece of shit because yeah. he's really irredeemable from the start as well. In my eyes, like he's kind of like this waste man bum. Who's like what, trying to get a lift off her and just, and they, and they have this really toxic relationship as well, where for the first couple of minutes, they are just going at each other. And, Again, I don't find that interesting to see like a toxic couple just shouting at each other. And then it's yeah. like, oh, but then they make up and have sex. And it's like, well, no, they're just, they're both like scumbags, like, and they're just wasting their time with each other. So I, I agree with you, but I also wanted to throw in the fact that I think the yeah. characters around her are equally as. Oh, as like everyone is. It was just kind of like a load of horrible people just filling their time doing not very nice things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just wasting their time. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, there wasn't really horror. It was just kind of like bombs. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh, just, just go finish your fucking painting <laughs> and, agree, and going off of that as well where you mentioned the driller killer thing um i think it's interesting because in that movie again not a movie that i particularly like but i mm. i genuinely believe that guy had talent yeah and i think they did a good job of getting that across in that movie of like he is this tortured artist who at some point could create something magical yeah 
um but he is going through struggles whereas i didn't believe that about desi i believe she genuinely was just this waster who was like maybe could do a bit of painting but ultimately i didn't really believe she was talented right. in any way and so i because that would be where the real rooting for her would come yeah. from You're like you know what if she's going through some shit but honestly there's some magic in her head then you would like you would make up for all of the other stuff it was it was interesting as well because like at points of the movie I kind of got the impression that she was just like this bit of a shitty artist that got commissioned for everything now and then, and mm. that's it. And then, and then sometimes they alluded to the fact that she's like actually, yeah, like big, big, like hot shit, successful, and yeah, yeah. Like she got recognised in a bar. Mm. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't know how many artists I would recognise in a bar. Yeah, um, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know how many actors I would recognise in a bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, we clearly wouldn't know who Joe Bigos is in a bar. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I just think like, um, that was confusing to me that like, is she just this bum that's just getting a paycheck or is she actually super talented and just like lost her way? Or is she even more annoying that she is super talented, but really doesn't give a damn and has just got that talent and is wasting it. And it just, it, it wasn't overly clear that part of it. Mm. Um, and yeah, what, you know, I, I guess, should we throw up a spoiler warning? Yeah. Um, do you want to go into a recommend before or not? Yeah, can do. I, I wouldn't personally. I think mm. that when we come to this sort of stuff, and it isn't just because I'm at year end, I'm trying to think about a lot of different movies that we discussed. Obviously, I, I'm immediately judging this as indie horror, and yeah. we've seen a lot now for the show over the course of, uh, you know, over 172 episodes. And um, I think back to the ones that there's good ones and then there's really great ones and then there's yeah. bad ones as well which this isn't one of them but there's a lot that are just meh and average and i would put that in the category for me personally mm. um it's not one that's like because the when it comes to indie horror there is just a sea and, and a million and million and million releases and it is so hard for people to I, really I tell you what other movies that they should be watching mm. and that is one of our main jobs is like when it, when it comes to indie horror is we need to be the one of the people's shouting from the rooftops here are the movies you need to watch yeah. and so when we see something like a life changer that's just never yeah. never going to get the release that it deserves and so we have to constantly remind people mm. like these are the indie horror releases you need to go out your way and watch and so this just isn't one of those this so this um, might like it though based upon what we've said obviously mm. yeah i think for me this this kind of reminds me of something where this is a great um uh cv for for the yeah. director you know he he's made a movie that clearly shows he's got talent as a as a director and as mm. a filmmaker um he does write it as well i, I i'm not going to go as far to say about the writing because this movie doesn't have a lot of substance but the actual directing cinematography mm. all of that nailed on like if he if he gave this to me as a filmmaker and said look this this is what i've made i can do this sort of shit i'm like okay right mm. if i had a script yeah. like you can clearly be behind a camera and make something talented so i feel like that's what this movie is this is his cv therefore yeah. ultimately us as horror fans should we seek this out? And I, and yeah, I agree with you. I think the answer is no, that, you know, clearly not bad. Clearly the guy's got talent, but overall this movie is not, you know, got great substance to it and isn't one that I would gravitate towards. And mm. yeah, with indie being, you know, some of them have this kind of special kind of charm to them or, or things that you kind of, you know, can get behind. Whereas this one is just these kind of, 
you know, fairly horrible characters that, that just kind of, you know, do fairly crappy things for the whole movie. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it, it, what was the one that we watched where the, it was like the artist, um, like one of the first one we watched that did this and it was kind of really heavy metal. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, was that the one from the, um, yeah, I don't know. Did it have an artist in it? I know there was the heavy metal one where it was the follow up from the director of the loved ones. Was it that? Yeah, film? yeah, I think so. Was it? Was uh, he like a? Was he like a songwriter? I thought he was like an artist. Um, potentially. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find loved ones because I'm just look into this because it's gonna it's gonna annoy me. Oh, the devil. I'm pretty candy. sure it was that. Yeah, yes, that's candy. it. The candy, yeah. yeah. So yeah, struggling paint, painter possessed by satanic forces. I yeah. remember like. Um, when we first watched that movie, we were kind of like, it's good, but it's not fantastic. That's mm. kind of become the benchmark for me. That like, yeah. we've seen a few of these where there's these like struggling artists and they're trying to create this masterpiece and stuff happens, blah, blah, blah. And like, none of them have hit Devil's Candy level. And that mm. was a movie that I wasn't like singing from the rooftops about. But like, as time has gone on, I'm respecting that one more and more. Yeah. Because I think like of this weird sob genre that we seem to have like got into, that, that's my favorite so far. Yeah. Because we think seen... as well, at the time, it was obviously, it was the follow up to the loved ones. So I think yeah. that was why we had our expectations so high. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. But like, it's a movie that I haven't seen and I do actually want to go back and see. So yeah, my my recommendation for this movie is go watch Devil's Candy. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting that you say that because there is the, we we haven't even covered a lot of them. We've covered some, but there are so many of these indie horror movies that are described as like these heavy metal mashups where it's like mm. you like because they know that there's a huge that you know that venn diagraph is not very hard to analyze that like a lot of heavy metal fans are also horror movie fans yeah um and so it is it makes sense to mash those two things together um even that this reminds me a lot of sadistic intentions as well that mm -hmm. we saw at fright first you know same actor i wonder if a, of some of the same people involved but behind the scenes um and similar quality really in my eyes where it was like it has a lot of this use of it. That is more like discussing the metal scene as opposed to yeah. just the metal music that you get in this movie. Um, but either way, I, it still it reminded me of that movie. Um, but yeah, yeah we, we should we should go into spoilers again. This is a weird spoilery one because this isn't like massive spoilers, but we like no. to be kind with this sort of thing. So this is a final warning. Um, mm -hmm. But going off of that, it did literally say it in the description of Fright Fest. Yeah. And it was something that I kind of glossed over and didn't even pick up on. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> until after the fact. And you know what's funny is when I was watching this, I did get about 15 minutes in and I was like, oh, do you know what? I want to remind myself, like, wh where was this at Fright Fest? So I did pause the movie and read out the description. And then I was a bit annoyed at myself because I was like, I'd forgot this was about vampires <laughs> and um so then i was sitting there waiting for that to happen and yeah. as we've discussed it really doesn't happen until about 30 minutes in we get like, little scenes where she's like ill and stuff like that but it mm -hmm. really isn't until her friend like bites someone on the neck um when it really becomes like that's going to be the story and then obviously going into it like man i think that is the, my biggest takeaway of the stuff i didn't like about this movie i think they handled yeah. the vampire stuff so poorly i didn't think it was like interesting it was just again it was like 
yeah. is these assholes <clears throat> that instead of just partying oh. and, and doing drugs, now they're also biting people in the neck. And then that was the conclusion. There was no intrigue because there's so much stuff you can do with like a I modern feel, day vampire story. And they just I didn't feel like it. it's because ultimately we don't necessarily know whether she was turned into a vampire or was just off a face on drugs. Yeah, or they're tripping. Like, yeah. I do think that is part of the conversation that he wanted, which I think yeah. was good. Like, it did it put that question in my mind, whether he intended it to or not at the end of the movie. But it meant that the movie suffered because of it, because I wanted some cool vampire shit, and I didn't get that. I just mm. got, like, yeah, a bit of neck biting and a bit of blood. Um, mm. You know, whereas actually, yeah, I... I I kind of, it was the kind of reason why I signed up for this movie was it was yeah. like, oh, this is a really modern take on vampires. And I was like, okay, I can kind of, like, as this movie was ticking on and I was like, okay, these people are kind of, you know, it reminds me of like Blade when they had like these underground nightclubs. And it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, I can see that these people are like in these sleazy places and people are getting high and it's very easy for vampires to blend in and like, and like live mm. in that seedy world. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then they just, yeah, it, it never got any meat on that bone. Um, yeah. it never, it, they never ran with it. That's a great comparison. Like, that's exactly mm. what I'd want from this movie, from a new independent horror movie about this. Like, I want mm. their take on a Blade story. And yeah. yeah, like you say, she's already going to these sleazy nightclubs and doing loads of drugs, and it would yeah. it would be great if suddenly she kind of like, when she was squinty-eyed, she just saw someone that looked like they were biting someone in the corner, and you'd be like, oh, are they just kissing, or is that something else going on? And yeah, like, exactly. Stuff like that they could have done really interesting. And yeah. especially I remember you, those you, nightclubs in Blade were like proper fun. Like, yeah. you had like regular people there, and that, they were getting slowly taken out, and like... It, yeah. you know it, uh, they, that had some great scenes in it for that yeah I, d I definitely think as well like the use of drugs could have been better with that sort of stuff because then they could mm. have you know maybe had it of like maybe you can delay the effects of becoming a vampire and you know maybe you could do other stuff with that um yeah ultimately it was always just do some drugs to get a high and that was yeah. that was all they ever did with it um so yeah that, that stuff was when the again story and writing not this movie's repertoire whatsoever no. um it is just you know, crazy visuals a real trip it's short enough that it's not going to kill you too much to watch it um and i agree strong, with you really good praise. point like i do want to <laughs> see more from this director obviously as we discussed yeah. from the start of the show he's you know he has got the next fangoria movie which i'm sure yeah, we'll and I'm, pre watching. I'm pretty excited for that you know especially because if it's anything like the first two fangoria we're gonna get a lot of gore in it mm. um and so you know i think that guy's interpretation of that i kind of read the rough synopsis it didn't it didn't kind of sound amazing but you know right. who knows yeah um but yeah like it definitely you know like i say the guy has got talent mm. Is what another interesting final point as well is obviously this was at Fright Fest. It was on mm. a main screen. And I do think that when it comes to Fright Fest, it's fascinating to me looking at it. Yeah. Um, because I think that when you get put on a main screen, so many eyeballs are going to see your movie yep. that you really don't get a good sense of whether people liked it or not. Because no. ultimately, in a room full of that many people, there are just going to be some people that like it, and there's and the people that generally do like it are going to really like it, and therefore they're going to be the ones that want to post on social media about it. And of mm. course, no one wants to be negative, so no one's going to be tweeting about it if they really didn't like it. And especially a movie like this, like I just wouldn't, I mean, I don't tweet that much anyway, but I wouldn't tweet about a movie like this because it didn't no evoke emotion from me either way no, it doesn't it um, doesn't warrant a tweet because we're not going to be no. singing from the rooftops we're not going to be saying avoid it it's just no. it's just vanilla exactly yeah. so i think that's really interesting with the way it works because we try and pull from that and kind of like mm. after fright fest we can only see a certain amount of movies 
we look at people's lists to gauge what were the better films. And I think that you ultimately something like a one cut of the dead stands out even more because it was on such a limited amount of screens and yeah. it still jumped ahead. Whereas stuff like this, I mean, we saw, we've seen a few movies now actually um, where feedback was on a main screen at Friday mm-hmm. Fest as well. Um, and then in a couple of us that we did see on main screens that we didn't like this year, like mm. it is hard to gauge what are the really great movies that you need to watch based upon yeah. the amount of stuff that people see, obviously on the, the best, screens. the best stuff we saw by a mile at Fright Fest this year, was on the smaller screens and it really felt like you've got to be really educated and Mm -hmm. and and it's not like we um you know i'm not necessarily even saying we saw the best films at fright fest but we saw the best films for us yes you know we 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 got very lucky to get those tickets (laughs) we are extremely lucky as well because yeah we know people that wanted to get into that freak show and that then ended up seeing bliss because of it you know so um i think um you know, you, you have to educate yourself to these movies and not just go in blind because I think like the first mm. couple of years we went to Fright Fest, we predominantly stayed at the main screen and were scared to go to the smaller screens mm. because we felt like we were missing out. Yeah. Whereas like I have no trepidation at all now about going to those smaller screens for anything because yeah. I think if it's something that grabs my interest, chances are, because I think... Um, I had the mindset that the bigger screens would have like a bigger movie tied mm. to it. And obviously we did see some relatively big movies that kind of like, you know, when the, when the Charles play movie or the Chucky movie was there and that sort of thing, but kind of, you know, you compare this to, to freaks to red letter day and they're all, you know, very similar, um, you know, indie movies. Mm. And it's just that, you know, ultimately four guys make this decision and those four guys pick the movies that they're influenced by or they're influenced by other means because of... Oh, yeah, pretty much. And, you know, their influence can be from various things, you know, obviously their own, you know, their own taste, but also kind of other external things. And you have to kind of bear that in mind because it just because they're on the main screen doesn't mean that they're, you know, of a higher ilk or a higher quality. They're just the indie ones it's you know it'd almost be better if they were just like oh these are the fright fest select ones these these are our favorites mm. you know but yeah. whatever guys you know and mix and match it a bit more yeah it's so fascinating because yeah like horror in general is just so vast and it's like obviously you're not going to have the same taste as so many no. different people and I, and I agree with you like i wish that if if getting the tickets was no option if you could just buy the fright mm. fest ticket and you're guaranteed then obviously for us it would be a no-brainer that we'd look at the small screens first because not only have they time and time again been our favorite films, yeah. but in general, and this is only for people that actually go to Fright Fest, but I think it's a way better viewing experience anyway. Oh, um, massively. Like the Prince we were, a million times better than the we, original. We were so stressed out on that day when those, when those small oh, yeah. screen tickets went on sale and we looked out it could not have gone better for us. It was us. a joke. And, the and fact I, that we and got I as looked, many tickets as we did was unbelievable. <laughs> and I look back and I think, my God, if we'd have got none, mm. imagine the movies we'd have seen. Like, you know, we're not going to recap Fright Fest, but like, you know, it, oh my God, our experience would have been so different. Like, well, we would have missed like our three favorites. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we, we would be, I would have been considering like booking a ticket again for next year. Like, yeah. because it would have been a significantly different experience. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, that was our discussion of a little bit of Fright Fest and also Bliss. Mm. Um, we will take a short break and we will be right back.
So yeah, we do have some uh, questions this week. Of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter at shbpod, or if you want to send us a longer email, um, send it to superhorrorbrospodcast at gmail.com. Um, the first one here is from Sean. Um, this is a really interesting question, actually. Obviously, we've had a lot of talk lately in the news with Nightmare on Elm Street, mostly. Um, obviously, Mike Flanagan's reaction to that. There was a slight update where he gave an interview talking about it as well. Um, he didn't say too much outside of the initial tweet, but he was basically just saying, like, I have a pitch that I'm really happy with. And, you know, he really wants to make it. Um, so it was cool to hear that exactly from mm. him. It wasn't just a fun tweet that he threw out. Like, he does genuinely mean it. Um mm which is cool um but uh sean's question is do you think mike flanagan's measured style fits well with nightmare on elm street i'm sure he would make something high quality of course um i really i really like this question because i I think i think like it's it's a really interesting thing because i do think that is a massive clash of styles thinking about Mm. it um Mm. what i personally think about when it comes to nightmare on elm street is this kind of like bag of tricks and ultimately a real level of funness to it and um just overwhelmingly obviously with the villain with the kills um with the different set pieces and obviously that is so similar to what we saw with the it movies um pretty much nailed on you know that style the bag of tricks the, the kind of the um the charismatic villain that you ultimately want to root for like all of that stuff is nightmare on elm street yeah um and so i think that yeah that director even though and i've said it before but i think andy muschetti done a great job of those two movies but i don't think he's on the same level personally as mike Mm -hmm. flanagan so i do think he's like a quote-unquote lesser director if that means anything which i don't think it does um but i still think he would be better suited to nightmare on elm street he's he's a better fit yeah Having said that, I think that what excites me about a potential Mike Flanagan directed Nightmare on Elm Street is I have no idea what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, he is so measured. He is so yeah. kind of like slow with his intent, um, with his intentions. And I think that I was thinking about Haunting of Hill House again over the last week and just how I'm like, man, he is going to struggle. Like, I know he's going to do so many great things and he already has since then. But that that to me is like perfect. And I think that it fits his style so well because he got so much time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be like he's I think his style just does suit television more because he gets 10 hours as opposed to two. And I think that because he has I I'm, I love that Sean used that word measured because that's exactly how I would describe Mike Flanagan. Um, and I just wonder, like with The Nightmare on Elm Street, would it, it would have to be like a slower more grounded take which is fascinating to see but what would that look like yeah um, i hadn't i hadn't thought about it either i i just kind of you know the name of one of the guys in horror and right. i was like hell yes but when when i read that question from sean i was like yeah that's a really great point because i actually uh it would it would worry me because the one time that we've seen um flanagan lift the reins off the restraint was the final mm-hmm. act of dr sleep and we're not going to go into that conversation again but you know but maybe was, that would work in nightmare on elm street you know it might work but i just think like uh we criticize that for him you know his biggest strength is the restraint and giving us the little glimpses of it and ultimately it interests me you know that, that flanagan has like a an awesome idea and if he got it i'd be buzzed but i I, I would be worried as to what a restrained Nightmare on Elm Street would be because I kind of feel like we've been so deprived of Freddy that we just need him. Like, if he mm. comes back, I want him just, like, in my face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't really want him restrained and subtle. I want him as, like, as big and brash as he's ever been. Um, 
you know, I want I want Friday the Thirteenth remake. I don't want like um, something that's slower. And by the end of it, we get a Freddy character. You yeah, know, that's I what just, it feels I, like—a main yeah. focus on Nancy and her family, with these yeah. very much hints of Freddy in the background throughout. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like that could be cool, but mm. yeah, I, I just uh, you know, I kind of want him just like eating pizza meatballs of people's faces straight away. Yeah, we want what we saw with Pennywise across two movies, you know, like has yeah. all these wacky little bits, you know, like mm. the Hall of Mirrors scene in It Chapter 2, for example. Like these small moments like that across those two movies, I yeah. think are so well done and show you that mm. Andy can, he, not every idea that he does works, clearly not, but he's not afraid to just sh- just throw so much at you. And I think mm. like, like you say, for me personally as a fan, I think that that yeah. style would work better with Nightmare on Elm Street because not every Freddy gag or kill works, but you get so no, many definitely that not. you're going to enjoy more <laughs> than you don't enjoy. Yeah. Um, and you're going to get some weird shit even for the ones you don't enjoy. Yeah. But either way, like yeah. I said, I do think that was a good point actually bringing up the end of Doctor Sleep because mm. even though I think it personally doesn't suit that movie, it, it would be interesting to be like, oh no, he is showing that he can do other stuff. Like he's not... Yeah. Mike Flanagan's not yeah, just a one-trick pony, so And it speak. wasn't poor. It's just no. his, you know, clearly his strength, the best horror that we've seen from him currently is restrained horror, mm. you know. And, you know, I guess kind of, you know, back in the day, Ty West had that sort of mantra mm. and then kind of like broke away from it and gave a bit more. And it's like, you know, but you don't necessarily have to. But like, you know, it, it's just one of those things that is clearly his strength. So he would have to give us a different freddy or give us a different flanagan to make this movie um and either way it's it's a gamble what's interesting as he gets more popular is um thinking about the ending of dr sleep he was talking about haunted of blind manor and he's mm. already said like it's going to be way scarier it's going to have more scares and obviously i think like mm. with it being so popular you get to see these droves of people who traditionally don't watch horror and they've been like oh it's not scary and i i worry about someone like flanagan as he gets more popular yeah yeah well um, we've seen it we've him... seen these guys that we've followed from very small indie beginnings that mm. have directed big movies and you know they've it, it it's affected them massively mm. and we've seen that i mean you know we clearly don't know them personally or anything but we've we've seen it just on their social media and the way they've engaged with the audience that they became you know less engaged and and more Mm. introvert and and you know more kind of susceptible to the criticism as they scaled up and everything else and you know ultimately they didn't give their own visions in the end they were being conflicted by the opinion that they were given yeah so i think that's the thing with someone like Mm. him i hope he stays true to what what was was so great because like say gerald's game haunted hill house all that stuff is just so good and and the vast majority of dr sleep is incredible as well so um yeah thank you very much for that sean like i, th- I think yeah. that's one that i'm this isn't going to go away i think this is so interesting um with my oh, it's, it's just constantly in my thoughts well just nightmare on elm street like i the second the second jp throws his hand you know his hand again <laughs> that's that's when shit gets real it wouldn't be out of like it's, it's only a matter well. of time it's only a matter of time man like he's he's pitched it behind closed doors we all know i was gonna say that's the thing about jordan right he just yeah. quietly got candy man like yeah. he won't he's not one of these brash guys on twitter looking for clout he will no. just get it done yeah um, yeah that's the not... thing he he's probably just got this signed sealed delivered already <laughs> oh don't get me excited <laughs> um knowing how much he why, loves why, that as yeah, well yeah, like, like i'm just 
He loves it. You know, there's a reason why he's not directing Candyman. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he went for the big one. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you very much for that one, Sean. Um, yeah, we do have another question as well um, mm. from Cody, um, who kind of, I guess there's, should we talk about the news first before we get into this question? Um, yeah. Obviously, this is just a leak as of recording, but it's 100% legit um, because... It's I real. Think, it's happening. Give it to me. I think the Game Awards are next week. Um, yeah, it's happening so, in the Game Awards, bro. Dude, I'm so fucking excited for the Game Awards. Like, it's going to be what incredible. What was the leak? What was the leak? So the leak is Resident Evil 3 Remake. Um, Hell yes which yeah it was always going to happen resident evil 2 remake has been one of the biggest successes of 2019 in video Mm -hmm. games um the way that's broken out and the amount of people i've seen that have played it that have never played a resident evil game before is unbelievable to me um kind of pisses me off because i'm like where the hell are you for resident evil 7 but anyway Mm. um you know it's great to see pisses me off when i'm like where the hell are you when i was grinding through six (laughs) you piece of shit you just get the gold (laughs) yeah i was there writing a review for that game was one of my saddest experiences of my life but anyway (laughs) reading your review was (laughs) honestly i have to do it every case like i do it like every year just to remind myself that resident evil's back and is actually good again yeah because it was dead it was dead guys um but uh yeah this is incredible news obviously and i just cannot wait to see it in in you know in in the flesh i do think it's going to come out sooner than we think as well um i i think yeah we we could get this like i mean it's this gen like it's going to be before the fall like this could be the the first three months of next year are going to be hilarious (laughs) because this is every company uh, in the world shitting themselves about the next generation and trying to push their games out so you know if we have resident evil 3 remake the last of us part 2 and um uh cyberpunk Cyberpunk. (laughs) in the first three months of the year it's gonna be outrageous like a cheeky little avengers game yeah i was gonna say (laughs) you know yeah it's crazy um but uh yeah uh, cody's question says um what are your favorite and least favorite Resident Evil games? Um, what are your best and worst memories of them? And are y'all pumped for the remake of Free? Um, so yeah, the Mate, last what, question, you, what, you, what are you doing? What are you doing, Cody? Do you not know <laughs> what happens oh, when knows. you unscrew? Like, I feel like you've just poked the beast. Like, yeah. oh, he's talk, done this on purpose. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to ask you multiple questions about the Resident Evil franchise. I'm like, okay, you want my thoughts, Cody? You've got my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> when we're almost like an hour into the show, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah man am i pumped cody hell yes i am so pumped about this 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 is like the only thing i want announced Mm. um the image the image is real like that that image looks looks exactly right jill looks amazing carlos looks amazing obviously we see a bit of nemesis there Mm. um and and it looks exactly like the 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 kind of first artwork we got for two so it's real man like we're Mm. getting a trade at the game awards yeah and i yeah i'm my my hype levels are three from hell level like honestly like that's where it's at for me like um because yeah going into his question like what are my favorite resident evil games um you know and this is where we differ quite a bit mine are one two three like they are my favorites (laughs) like me playing ps1 it it was probably the time that i discovered that games could be more than just a platformer and like a sports killing time thing (laughs) like that was basically what gaming was for me up until kind of this era where, I think for a lot of people, yeah. the PlayStation One, it was those games, wasn't yeah. it? It was the rise of GTA, Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil, yeah. those types of games. Yeah, and definitely for me, I was heavily influenced by Resident Evil and Silent Hill. Um, you know, which mm. came to the forefront more Silent Hill in, in PS2 era. But um, 
you know, it, it really did. It was a coming of age thing for me where it really did just, just completely shift. And those games changed me. You say that about the PS2. Um, I'm sorry to cut you off. But like, I remember we were like, we were in on Silent oh, Hill man. 1. Like, I, I was, <laughs> I had a demo of Silent Hill 1 that I yeah, sent away I remember for. It, I remember That's it, how yeah. pumped I was. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was. I remember you sent away I for it in a magazine. This was just like months before yeah. Silent Hill 1 was out. Yeah, before it was announced, like pretty much. <laughs> there was just like this cover yeah. with like the fog. And I was like, Hell yeah, Konami. <laughs> I'll send you a yeah. self-addressed envelope for a demo disc because that's how video games used to work. Oh, um, that was the best. I still have that demo disc, man. Um, oh, have you really? Yeah, man. <laughs> that's so sad. I remember it as well because it's like that game has that fake opening, doesn't it, mm-hmm. where you get attacked mm-hmm. and then you kind of think you're dead but yeah. you're not and that's what the demo was. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, so good. But like, yeah, so for me, those three um, are just so special and one got like a fantastic remake that obviously is a bit dated now but at the time yeah. when they came out on gamecube it was phenomenal pure terra cubed i mean don't need to say mm. anymore fantastic <laughs> tagline um you know and for the longest time two and three have just been sat there in this you know the ps1 games let's be honest guys they're not fun to go back and look at <laughs> like they hurt mm. and um you know, two of my favorite games of all time have been stuck there. And the treatment that two got, like, honestly, the, you know, playing Resident Evil 2 this year, the way that they did it, the way that they changed things up, the way that they kept things the same, it was perfect. Um, I loved it so much. And so three is probably the one that has got, like, the most special place in my heart because mm. it was the one we discovered resident like we said we were grassroots for silent hill we've got to be honest we were late to the party with resident evil one and two had come out we're not late we but <laughs> no but not yeah i guess yeah we, we, like, we played two for, yeah. i think we played two within the first year of it coming out oh yeah yeah and before three but yeah two had just come out and one was out by the time we kind of were aware of it and like i was still speaking three, about the 90s here <laughs> yeah yeah i mean talking about being late to the party but you know um you know, three was the one that I remember literally buying every magazine I could get. And I, I like cut out everything I could find on Resident mm. Evil three. And I'd like piece together like a collage of like how I thought the game was going to go and like everything, man, because obviously at that point there wasn't the online. It was just these mm. magazine and these glimpses and I became, screenshots of these new enemies. Yeah, I became obsessed with it. I'd like to say, and I'm pretty sure it's true that it's the first game that I ever pre-ordered. Mm. um i think that's probably true um and like counting down to release and all of that stuff because before then we were just so naive we just walk into the video game store and be like oh that looks cool Mm. let's just let's just spin the dice on that and see what we get because this is our video game for the next two months um (laughs) you know and like so three has got such a special place in my heart like i love nemesis i love that kind of or mini boss element of him coming back constantly and the shortness of it you know it was just like this perfect little kind of video game that yeah i i cannot wait to see what they do with it cannot wait man yeah um yeah your, your questions cody they were very much similar to me in terms of when you say favorite least favorite games and then best mm. and worst memories because they're so intrinsically linked um mm. i completely echo what you said and i think for me with the original ones on the playstation like i just never had the love for the first one because two was like like you say our first proper introduction and yeah. then going back and playing one and then with three it was it was so two and three stand out massively mm-hmm. to me and it was always like one was like oh it was the one in the mansion it was cool you get the twist with wester and all that stuff and it's amazing 
version but like me personally i just never ever will have that love like it I was the gamecube one that elevated it for me i think it yeah. getting re-released on the cube and like jumping into that again like yeah which was cool because we were so like in love with the gamecube at that time yeah. as well, so it was just perfect but um yeah oh. got like two and three and i think two was like the one that i really loved because with the characters but three was the first one that i personally sat down and beat from start to finish and mm-hmm. it's, it's much shorter experience than two but i love that story nemesis is still the best enemy in any of the resident evil games like Did you have any ammo left bro no not a single <laughs> bit that's what was beautiful about those games um whereas nowadays it's just like man i, I beat resident evil 2 like six times on the hardest difficulty this year and it was not even hard difficult yeah, you um, never got through it as a child no whereas like <laughs> what is like the hardest set and i can't even remember but i got like an s yeah. plus professional s plus yeah, exactly. like, i've done all that yeah. stuff this year um <laughs> it's just games are just easier now like it's just not the same um but yeah free was the one that like i cannot wait for them to remake mm. and so when you say favorite games of that era uh definitely free stands out the most but then yeah where we differ is that for me four is the best resident evil game um it's you could argue that it's not really a resident evil game but in terms of like just games it's one of the best video games ever made it is phenomenal it changed the landscape for third person games forever um it's still to this day like it's been ported to every single thing uh, known to man and so you can literally play it on anything and it's still as good today as it was 15 years ago and i think the the great thing about these remakes is that resident evil 3 if you didn't love it like we loved it when you first played it Mm. you're not gonna have a great time playing that in 2019 and i love that game but i'm just being honest with you i'm not gonna recommend people play resident evil you know those playstation games because they're just not you you just can't play a ps1 game anymore no it's the the worst era of gaming in terms of age in um those first 3d games um so i'm so i'm so happy whereas four still stands the test of time is incredible and then seven is such a revelation to me it's it really like uh, it goes against in terms of what i think is my favorite now because i really am back and forth between four and seven um because going into your other point of worst memories like resident evil 6 is such an all-time low in the history of video games for me and it really bummed me out it made me think that one of my favorite my favorite non-nintendo franchise was dead to me Mm. and i never thought they'd recover from that resident Evil 6 was an abomination in every single way and um the fact that they came back with seven and they made it this completely different thing that was just phenomenal that took from pt one of my favorite horror experiences ever and it took the best of other games but they made them even better because it's resident evil and i adore seven and so my only takeaway is that I hope we get to see more of that. Like, I'm glad they're doing this now in the interim because I think it's easier to make remakes and I think that it's mm. more popular. It's going to sell better. So it's win-win for Capcom. I don't um, know where because, they go. Yeah, you, well, you can make an easier game and it's going to sell better, mm. you know, whereas Resident Evil 8, like, what does that even look like at this point? Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know where they go with it because I felt like, um, you know, Resident Evil 6 broke my it, it broke my soul like how it mm. did you that it, it felt like the end of my favorite video game franchise that like yeah. it was gone and like Resident Evil has been seminal to me for so many years and just like this you know this thing that would stop you know all other things when it comes out and I remember just playing 6 and this kind of like just spiraling pit of despair like that's a long ass game yeah and so long like the it's game one of the most expensive games ever made like everything yeah, about it is like this big triple a production that just mm, stocks in every way and the game kind of started and i was like oh okay it's kind of like because six um five was a trip that like 
you know, I, I, I love, I, I love kind of, well, I like five, but it was kind of like, it had got like military shooterish. Obviously it was mm. around that time when COD was so big and it kind of, it was a bit it of blended those lines. And it, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was still, it was acceptable to me, I guess. And then kind of seven, six came out and, um, I remember just like playing through it and trying to be like, oh, okay, we're Leon and like, we're, we're kind of fighting zombies and it's a bit scary. And then like, every scene got worse and worse and worse to the point that like honestly it was yeah it was probably the most depressing video game experience of my life because it was just destroying something and and yeah there was no way back from it Mm. and the way that they reset it was seven i don't think you can go on from seven like i don't know where you go because you can't make that game again that that game is a one one off experience. I don't think if you went first person again and that scaled back, I don't think it would work. I think mm. like it was a it was a curveball for the franchise and it took what was in the zeitgeist at that moment with PT and um uh Outlast and kind of those sorts and of VR. games and yeah, and made it like fantastic but authentically resident evil but i just don't think you can do that again so what they do with a because you've got all these weird characters and timelines like it does worry me Mm. like i i personally feel like these remakes are perfect and then like they've got to give it a hard reset i think Um, this is like the whole you give a definitive hard reset i don't know it's like comparing the Marvel to the DC stuff where right now I'm mm. thrilled that they're making great Resident Evil games and they're worried yeah. just and they make and they they're concerned about making one at a time. So yeah. they made Resident yeah, Evil then, 2 great and then let's make <laughs> Resident Evil 3 great. Whereas the yeah. the catalyst to that is once you finish Resident Evil 3 remake, what the hell is the next Resident Evil game? Yeah. You know, because that is when you're like world building. I remember at the time after 2 came out or earlier this year, I said that I could see some sort of hybrid where you take you continue seven it's called eight but you take stuff from two and obviously now you'd have to do that with three and i'm talking about story so like it canon canon wise it gets a bit murky but i like the idea that you would take like a leon you know and he would then be thrust into the world post seven um but i think that obviously it's going to be more difficult with three because free for people that don't know story wise is very heavy with um umbrella and raccoon city and all of that stuff um so that's going to be very hard. Well, we've to got be this like... project resistance as well. Yeah. That obviously just, is weird. Much. Like, because I, I didn't, I got into the beta, but I didn't get around to play it. Same. But like, um, <laughs> I just don't care about multiplayer Resident Evil games. Yeah. Well, it's weird. Like I've, I've finally not played a Resident Evil game, which is yeah. a bit of a shame. Well, I don't think it's actually was... out though. No, no. The one that came out, the other one that was the online one. What was it? Oh, I played um, that. Um, Umbrella Core. <sighs> I played one. I played a shooter like last year that was terrible. Operation Raccoon City. Oh yeah, that was one as well. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did play. I did play one of the first person shooters that was like after seven. I played on PC for like an hour and just refunded it. It was awful. Yeah, I think it was Umbrella Corpse that was mm. kind of like one that I and it, it's the only one that I don't have. I might have to send. I might have to tweet out my Resident Evil video game collection. <laughs> yeah, people. it's pretty awesome. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty mega. But yeah, yeah, like you say, you, we're, you, we're... You, you opened the can of worms, Cody. You got it, man. <laughs> yeah, because we barely scratched the surface. But yeah, that, that yeah. that's pretty much it. Like I, you, you more main focus on the older stuff. I love a mixture mm-hmm. of both, and I think that yeah. four and seven, and then definitely three are up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just I cannot wait for this. But I also, mm-hmm. I, I'm not too worrying too much about the future because I want to just sit and enjoy yeah, this for too. now. Me too. Um, 
But it does concern me a little bit because I'm like, what are they going to do? Like, because four doesn't need a remake. It's literally perfect. So it'd be pointless if they went that way. They do have Code Veronica, which I think would be worthy. Code Um, Veronica definitely, I I think, is the next step. Like, that's the next step I'd like them to take because I think it's a a grossly misunderplayed Resident Evil. And I think um, some of the choices that were made in that game made it kind of visually a little bit off. And mm. so remaking it could fix those things. Um, it was because, you know, it originally came out on Dreamcast and it just yeah. it always looked a bit awkward visually, like the spiders and a few other things. Um, so I really think they could tighten that up, make it darker and make it a true like core Resident Evil, because I really feel like the story's there that backs it up. I would like that because that is my least played story Resident Evil by far. Mm. And it's not even close. Like I've never even beat that game. Um, mm. So I, I would be interested in that. Yeah. Um, it'd be curious to see if they would go that way. Cause I'm just glad they, they did this. This was such a no brainer. Like I think for people that are going to experience free, like the things that people loved in two are better in free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Mr. X was the standout and he is a poor man's nemesis in every single yeah. way. Um, and I do, I hope they elevate on that and I hope it's not just a reskinned Mr. X because then people, People are going to say oh well he's just like mr x and it's like no they stole nemesis from the playstation one and then they put that in their remake for resident evil 2 yeah like mr x is in the game in the original but he doesn't perform the way he does in the remake where he's this kind of it's... like pursuing villain who's always after you like that's what nemesis is i mean i'm gonna get deep now though but like i can't help it but like <laughs> mr x and nemesis like nemesis was a tour de force where he mm-hmm. was terrifying and was gonna destroy you and you had to just like cane your ammo into him or get the fuck out of there whereas like mr x is such like a you know he is a traditional horror kind of michael myers stalking you never slowing down but kind of like if he's in the room with you you can kind of like navigate the room pick up what you Mm -hmm. need and get out of there that's not the case with nemesis man like nemesis is a different foe yeah so like i hope he's not just a reskin i want him to be you know much much more than that i agree with you i think it's going to be extremely hard to balance a good nemesis because he has to be super powerful but i do want him there as a presence throughout the whole game um following you and so i do think that looking at it right now and and based upon if this game does come out early next year that is like literally a year i do think he is going to play like a more of a reskin isn't yeah yeah which i think is a a shame but yeah we're, we're only speculating at this point but either way we're ridiculous excited um and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll actually be able to talk about it properly if we get some footage um, oh we're getting a trailer man yeah the game like, we're, getting, gonna we're getting a trailer there's a chance we get a release date because they do that with these yeah no they definitely i think if it's a mm. full trailer that it will have a release mm. date like resident evil don't fuck around like other companies like they give yeah. you what you want um yeah they do but uh, yeah, we were going to talk about some other stuff, but we've gone a bit long. Like, we should yeah. probably we should probably Cody save it. Cody will do that when he when he uh, <laughs> you know opens that Resident Evil box. Uh, yeah, I got I got one question for you that's linked to this, so that popped mm. into my mind. Konami Silent Hill mm. thoughts. Like, are they they have to be sat there right now thinking we've got you know, these Silent Hill games that are beloved, that one is on PS1 and the others are on the PS2, that are, you know, still stuck in that time zone. People hate us. They don't want new shit from us. If they remade those games right, like, what would that do? Would it, would, would, would they start to get redemption? Like, what would your thoughts be on them remaking a Silent Hill done well? Like, let's just assume that they do it to the quality that Capcom do 
<laughs> and they, they I mean, put that out there it's a simple answer if you're saying to me like yeah if they remade silent hill as well as resident evil would i be happy fuck yeah like it would be yeah incredible and what are the it's chances of that zero absolutely zero <laughs> um they have metal gear solid which is a way bigger franchise than silent hill and they're not going to do anything with that um they released one metal gear solid game post kojima leaving that was an abomination and mm. they're not going to do anything with it like they they're not really a video game company anymore. They make so much money off other venues now mm. that they're a weird one where they don't need to make video games. They, they'll still throw out Pez to the 10 people that play it every year. Um, but ultimately, well, they just don't care. And so <clears throat> they, they can sit on Silent Hill and Metal Gear Solid and let them burn. And it's such oh. a shame because they're two of my favorite <laughs> franchises ever. Um, and unless someone mental wanted to come in and buy it off their hands, like they're not going to fund it themselves, basically. Mm. Whereas, yeah, they can look at RE2 and be like, wow, that's making great money. We could do that with Silent Hill. They just won't because they're morons. The same way that they could, you know, a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake, like that is the one that's out of all of their games. The first Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation 1, you know, there's there was Twin Snakes on the GameCube. But outside mm. of that, like you could do a fully HD you know, with their engine, because they have one of the best looking engines, if it looked like Metal Gear Solid 5, but it was the story of Metal Gear Solid 1, that would sell like gangbusters. And that would be a relatively easy project the, to do as the, well. The, they the, thing, the thing that I think about that, and it's been it's been a while since we got stuck into this video game thing, it's fun. Mm. Like, um, <laughs> you know, is, is it um, an easier thing for them to put out Silent Hill because there's not this Kojima shadow that's still over, which is, which is, you know, 100% over Metal Gear. Like, you know, Death Stranding's just come out. Everyone's talking about Kojima. If Konami put out, say, Metal Gear game right now, are people just going to automatically hate it? Whereas if Silent Hill comes out, does that just put... Is that the first step towards kind of a rebuilding of this brand? Because, you know, most people in the world, you know, video game world right now hate konami but we grew up loving them we grew up loving mm. those games like those games still exist that company made those games or you know you know was responsible ultimately owns those games like you know is there a redemption somewhere i would say in in theory yes in reality no because mm. silent hill is nothing right now we yeah. don't know how much kojima worked on it with silent hills but we don't even know what an engine looks like for a new silent hill game whereas literally the metal gear solid 5 engine is their engine they own that and they already released um the other metal gear game after that and people still liked the way that played and looked it was just everything about the kind of the mechanics in it and everything else that sucked um so yeah you could literally do you not just save as silent hill engine job done (laughs) i don't don't think so like add more fog i'm not a scientist yeah that's pretty much the way to go yeah could you imagine if it just played and looked exactly like metal gear solid but it was just really foggy and they just like reskinned snake as bloody whatever his name is from the first game yeah Um, let's not let's not do that but yeah like no that that's the simple reason is that yeah it's really easy for them to pump out metal gear games and they actually haven't um whereas silent hill was like no that'd require work because look at what they did with re2 um yes that's the same engine as seven but seven was a first person game and it didn't have these sort of character models and one of the best things about the resident evil 2 remake is how well that game plays it's one of the best third person horror games playing wise and i've said this as well like i think resident evil 2 remake is the best playing resident evil game they've ever Mm -hmm. made in terms of just straight up gameplay um so that was where they really put in the work that they deserve credit for um but yeah can capcom buy silent hill (laughs) <laughs> like maybe that's anyone the next step. Maybe, maybe maybe that's the next step after three make yeah they buy silent hill 
oh man they, they would be so perfect because like they just get it right now yeah. um but yeah like they're such old school rivals but then having said that that'd be like when you know it was like yes, oh sonic could never be on a nintendo yeah. game and it's like now he's in bloody mario and sonic at the olympic games like crazier things have happened but i think ultimately the people involved just don't have enough money um mm. because konami are like so rich um God so they don't need to sell these assets they don't they could literally that's what i i hate about this is that they can literally just go to the grave with metal Gear solid and silent hill and i think they'll do it with both of them just out of spite literally because they don't need to sell it um mm. but yeah it's interesting but at least Resident Evil is in a good place like i don't want to start thinking about silent hill and metal Gear solid because yeah. it bums me out but three three makes coming like, yeah like oh it's a dream man cannot wait um yeah. but yeah that was that was a long video game discussion um yeah your the fault, ten, cody it's hopefully your fault, the 10 cody. people that stuck around for that enjoyed it yeah. um hope, hope you liked it pal <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah that was episode 173 like we said there are only a couple of regular shows now um mm-hmm. we'll be discussing black christmas in a couple of weeks and then we just need to fill up next week and yeah. uh that's it for the year 2019 what a year it's been We'll get into all that good stuff though in the coming weeks. But yeah, that we was send your list in, guys. Yeah, send in your list now. Um, but yeah, that was episode 173. Uh, thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Could I start that?